0: You are listening to the Empowering Indian Expats Podcast. If you are an Indian living abroad, feeling stuck in an average 9 to 5, or a job or a business that's not helping you reach your full potential, this is the podcast to tune in, where you find your role models and learn from their dream, struggle, victory stories. This is your host Ehsan Ali, a long-time ID professional living in Sydney, Australia, who has made it his mission to find and unpack these stories, strategies, and life lessons of successful and inspiring Indian expats. To help you and I reach our full potential. Today's guest is a sought-after executive and high-performance coach who started her career in her family business which consists of three public listed companies. She created many turnaround stories in the business, won numerous awards and then decided to utilize her skills and experience in helping others unleash their potential in creating extraordinary success and a fulfilling life. I believe there is a lot we can learn from Vinita Surana's stories both from her stint in her family business, as well as in starting and running her own successful executive coaching business. So let's talk to Vinita and get to hear her story directly from her. Hi Vinita, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks and thanks for having me here today.
0: What, what time is it uh, in uh, austin you're in austin texas isn't it Whoa. it's what... uh
1: 5 15 central time
0: 5 15 central time we are 1015 a.m here on saturday so good to have you vinita on the show and i'm very excited to uncover your story which is quite unconventional or different from uh, most of my guests as well as most of my audience so If I understand right, you come from a family background where you are into multiple things. You're in energy and telecom and construction and things like that. So while growing up, you kind of saw the whole how business family runs and you uh, Mm -hmm. actively participated after your studies. You ran the business for a while and then you moved into your own consulting and coaching business. You are a life coach and performance coach today. So Mm -hmm. I was quite intrigued to see how... Uh, You have done exceptionally well in your own family business, and you have gone to premier institutions like Wharton, and you studied in Manchester as well. And then you moved on to doing your own uh, life coaching and performance coaching. Uh, So I was very, very keen to understand how you have gone about the journey, what we can learn from your story um, while you ran family business, uh, uh, the successes, the failures, the challenges what made you to move into a completely new arena uh, which is uh, life coaching and performance coaching Mm -hmm. and uh, so those are the things I was very keen to understand from you
2: Vinita.
1: No absolutely and firstly thanks for having me here. Uh, A lot of people uh, have this uh, presumption that you know if you're coming from a business family you're born with a silver spoon and while it might be true that the Uh, you know, there are certain benefits out of it. Uh, But just to take you a little bit through my story to understand, I guess, what my challenges were, and give a different perspective of uh, growing up in a family business. So uh, just to give you a little bit of background. So uh, my family business uh, is about 50-60 years old. They started with telecom business, uh, we used to do uh, a lot of um, underwired cables when uh, when there were telephones, the hand hold telephones, right? Uh, yes. Not the wireless. Yeah. When this switch happened from, uh, uh, you know, wire to wireless, mm-hmm. uh, we obviously lost out on the race and uh, the family moved into... Uh, various other businesses like metals. Uh, then we moved into solar, and then real estate. So when I came into the family business, it was uh, uh, it was the uh, lag end of telecom and beginning of uh, solar. But mm-hmm. I just want to tell you to give an your audience also a perspective uh, that in uh, so we've had four generations of family business right now. And in all the four generations, I am the first woman who has stepped into a boardroom, stepped into the office, has been working uh, very actively uh, with the business. And it wasn't very welcomed in the beginning, in the sense that, in the sense that, uh, like, it's not like it was too dramatic like uh see my when I started working, my grandfather and my father were also in uh say in boardrooms and meetings uh you know so it wasn't like somebody asked me to get out of the door or something like that, but whatever I said was not uh taken seriously taken seriously because yeah. uh because uh if AI was just beginning to work in b because of the whole. Uh, uh you know the patriarchal culture yeah so got
2: it
1: where where they like okay she's going to get married and move on so uh you know there needs to be more investment and time towards the uh the sons in the family mm. so uh it, it began so my whole journey of defining these norms began when i was in the 12th standard Hmm. Um, so in my 12th standard, I remember we were, you know uh, after 12th standard, you need to choose a stream, yes. like uh,
0: science commerce, th- medical uh, exactly. battle, whatever yeah <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And not that I had any inclination towards any any stream. you know, I was pretty open to life even back then. Uh, but my grandfather said that women should not do engineering and uh was like why don't you go into arts uh and you know like and then take home science like home science was um was a subject back men then for, i don't know and for
0: women yeah no i remember
1: that <laughs> so um and and i am very artsy in that sense like uh, I, this does not mean any disrespect to uh bachelors of arts or bachelors of home science but just the fact that he said that i was like no now i want to try it and I want to just try and see if I can do it, you mm. know, and I, I don't want to be like a topper or, you know, like uh, go crazy with it. But I, just because somebody said I can't do it, I just want to defy the norm. Mm. And that's why I took up engineering, really. It's not like I was inclined toward it or something like that, but it was more that if I can challenge my mind to, uh, you know, uh come out of the norms that other people are defining me like say they've put me in a box can I Mm. get out of the box Mm. Mm. and yeah so I did my engineering and uh, I I was in the top 10 percentile of my batch and and it's the same thing so (laughs) when I started uh, applying for uh, an Ivy League school everybody said that there's no point applying because uh, you won't get into it Mm. or like in my friends and family from Hyderabad, that time I was in India in Hyderabad, a lot of people had faced a lot of rejections from Ivy League schools. Nobody in my community at least hmm. uh, had gone there. So I was like, okay, let me try it. So, so I want to go a little bit more in depth. Hmm. So it's not that I just get up in the morning and I say, I want to try this and I achieve it. When I go into something like that, everything else fades out for me. So uh, coming from a very traditional business, Marwadi family, you're supposed to attend a lot of family function, you're supposed to, uh, you have a lot of obligations, okay, you have a lot of uh, plus points, silver spoons, uh, things on the platter, but you also have to confine to a lot of norms. So when I said that I want to uh, challenge myself and go to an Ivy League school, I had to defy all those norms. I had mm. to... I shut myself from um, going to family functions. And I remember there was this one month uh, where my grandparents, my nana nani, stopped talking to me. Like literally stopped talking to me. You
0: you didn't attend certain functions, is it?
1: Yes. And which in their view was more important for me as a girl uh, who is in the age of getting married and stuff like that. And I'll, and to achieve something, and I'm sure that this is for anything anybody wants to achieve. But for me, because the stakes were really high mm-hmm. to get into an Ivy League school, I had to put those horse blinders on. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's not only really with family. It's the same thing with friends. I had a major, major sacrifice with friends, too. So for that month, every uh, other day, my friends used to message me if it was something really important because it's like uh, you know it's the last being together and people are moving on so they used to keep uh, inviting me to a lot of events and, and some are very very important events uh, you know which were in their lives say somebody's getting engaged or somebody's ma- getting married or somebody's celebrating a very significant birthday but I literally had to say no I had to take and, and right now, right now, as an adult, it doesn't feel much. But when yeah. you are actually doing it, uh, there's a lot of conflict in a person who is in their mid-20s. Like, am I doing the right thing? Mm. And even then, you do not know if the stakes will pay off. You're doing all these sacrifices. You're, doing, you're putting these horse blinders on, but you don't know if it, it'll be a hit or a miss. Mm-hmm. so what i'm trying to say is that regardless of the result you have to put in the efforts a hundred percent like you're going to get the result so, so a couple so, of
0: quick questions there so you were talking about uh, when you were in engineering or you had already passed out of engineering and you were in the business so all these uh, uh, instances of uh, putting in horse blinders or applying for ivy Um, really getting focused so one thing I got out of your uh, uh, conversation here is it's not been an easy journey for you you have made sacrifices Mm -hmm. and you were driven you are absolutely focused so two questions comes in my mind number one uh, what time was this is it after engineering or
1: uh, okay so I was taking you through my journey I, I was taking you through my journey from 12th standard like right. e- like whenever, I'm not saying throughout my life, I have been yeah. focused and I put la- horse blinders on. But whenever I wanted to achieve a achieve goal, okay. I had those horse blinders on. So it wasn't 12th well standard to get into engineering. Then I okay. did work for a couple of years and uh, and then I was taking you through my journey of and, uh, uh,
0: for the Ivy yeah. No, yeah. I got. I think I got that point and the question that was running in my mind is uh, you come from a traditional business family as you said uh, first um, our kind of blow for you was uh, uh, the family itself was not accepting you really really strongly yeah. in the business then what was driving you to perform in the business or go out and study abroad or whatever you took up you took up with uh, mm-hmm. strength and you know fully focused what was driving you when people around you were not doing this way you were you alone did you have any mentor or support or you were by your own
1: mm-hmm. no that's that's a very interesting question and i feel like uh, different times in my life i've had different people who have come as like guardians or angels who have supported me and uh, and this has really like kind of accelerated the journey but this was not some somebody like in my family, mm. uh, or somebody I was something I was born with. Right. Uh, it 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 took me cer- certain, and that's where the power of network really comes, right? So, mm. um, it's uh, it it takes a while to find someone yeah. who really believes in you, and yeah. you also believe in them. Yeah. Uh, So uh, no, uh, definitely there were people rooting for me Uh, in uh, back in school, there was a best friend. And right now I have uh, someone who really guides me who's on the board of advisors. And uh, it's really important to have someone like that, especially if uh, your family uh, wants you to stay mediocre. Like, so you need to understand this. Your family is just trying to protect. You.
0: Protect you, absolutely. They, they
1: are not. Uh, they they always want to do things in your best interest, but sometimes that doesn't give you like a push. That doesn't give give you wings to fly. It kind of confines you in like a golden cage. And for me, it was really a golden cage because, mm. like you said, there was no need to put food on the table or there was no need to like do these certain things. I could still have a comfortable life. Right. Um, so it, it very early on. I realized it's, it's like a golden cage. Like you mm. have everything else, but it's Got still it. a cage.
0: Got it. Got it. So how long did you work after 12th? You started working in the business before you went to Manchester, I believe, or
2: somewhere in the UK.
1: Yeah. So right after engineering, uh, I went to, um, uh, uh, I did my MSc in international business. And after I came back from Manchester, I joined my family business. How
2: long and, did you
1: I think it was uh, 2009 to 2012. So three years. Yes. Uh, and mm. then I went to uh, business school. So in those three years also, um, to, to, to share a story with you, when I uh, entered uh, my family business um there was a project so we were uh getting into the whole solar business which is very new at that time and uh if you have if you generate solar modules or solar farms you get these carbon credits and you you have to sell these carbon credits but because the whole thing was very new the buying and selling of carbon credits had a lot of gray area and um my uh, like uh, a team of people were trying to do it for two years Mm. and then I stepped in and I took on that like that was the hardest thing at that point to do because everything else was streamlined so I took on that and I um and I uh like did that I got success for that project Mm. within six months Mm. uh it's so what I'm trying to say is um I hope like people can get this, that it's one thing is being born somewhere. And the second thing is how you really take on the challenges of it to to grow as a person. Yeah. I mean, you can sit there in your comfort zone too. Like you can just go, like I could just go to the office and do a nine to five, but then to uh, push yourself to take on, even within the business, like challenges which other people are kind of struggling with. Mm-hmm. um to take it on and then uh, you know achieve the success of it has has been the theme of my life
0: right so how did the family uh, uh, respond to you coming in and, and making things work uh, do you remember some good
2: memories of- so
1: there was a lot of pushback because yeah. first um okay so there are two two camps okay so one camp was like, okay, let's see if she can do it. Because they knew that I cannot do it. Okay. And the, the second camp was like, um, there's no need for me to take on something like this right now. So there's a lot of pushback to even give me that uh, kind of project. Hmm. But, but I took it on uh, anyways. Because by that time, I was used to uh, being like uh, being the underdog.
2: Like, by right. that
1: time i was used to uh, you know that kind of that whole rep in the office that uh, nobody nobody used to take you seriously till you get something so even if you um you know have something uh, in front of you an opportunity um you really need to prove yourself again and again right. it's the same thing with success right if, if i'm sure you if anytime you've you've achieved something in your life, you've gotten success. After six months, everybody forgets. Not not even six
0: months, Vinita. (laughs) It's very (laughs) short-lived. It's very very short-lived. No, that's that's good. I was very curious to know when you moved out of Hyderabad, went to Manchester, did your master's in international business. uh, Did you learn something there which uh, you were able to apply back in family business? The exposure would have been tremendous because being in yeah. India I was going out is very different. It's like an yeah. exchange program for two years. <laughs> so anything you want to highlight, which uh, you were able to utilize in your family business, the three years that you ran, and I know you did this project. You talked about you um, uh, got some funding as well. Um, so you did quite a lot of you know, different things in those three years. How was uh, the the what was the value of your uh, master's in Manchester anything anything that really added value in your practical business career
1: so the degree is very theory it's very theory based right so uh, it's it's not that like I learned something in statistics that I came and applied here but what I uh, what I picked up from uh, being abroad like in Manchester and in Philadelphia was um, the way uh, the the culture was so I came from a family business which is very traditionally run and which is very hierarchical. Like which means that one paper needs to go to 10 people to get it approved. Uh what I understood is um uh being in uh, like working in high performance teams in uh you know in the top leading schools. I understood that you first of all need to uh lessen the hierarchy you need to be at a very like plain field and you need to trust people uh because things are uh things are uh, very um they grow exponentially when you can give them the authority to do it otherwise it's very dogmatic you know Mm -hmm. uh so a few things that i introduced in uh my family business which is which has never been heard of uh, before. And I'm sure it is very, very common in the corporate culture, but I came from a very traditionally owned business. So we're like starting like, uh, you know, these uh, celebrations of birthdays, celebration of anniversaries, celebration of work anniversaries, Mm. then having like a troubleshooting Thursday where anybody had any problem, it was an open door so mm. till we didn't start the uh, troubleshooting Thursdays, we didn't have an open door system, which mm. means that people who are uh, two level juniors cannot come and meet the directors or the senior management. Mm. Uh, so, but what what that changed is like whenever the fresh energy comes into uh, any organization, they have a lot of ideas, they have a lot of energy, which we can feed off on and it's um, so a small things like that. But very uh, powerful
0: Vinita. Uh, it's, well, as I'm you sure. said in corporate world, people may be knowing it, but the question is how many people are really implementing it? So yeah. uh, it can be. I really like this idea of troubleshooting Thursday, which can be utilized by a manager and a leader in corporate world, where they open up the door, even not for the whole day, even for half a day, mm-hmm. that's anybody can do it. Out of five days, a half day can be left open for people mm-hmm. to come and talk about problems that they are struggling to uh, fix or they have an ideas where if implemented it could benefit the business in some way so that could be an extraordinary uh, time investment for managers leaders or entrepreneurs who have got a small or big team so that's incredible in the corporate world they everything they do it in a very uh, professional way that's not true uh, most people know the theory <laughs> but when it comes to implementation people are so bogged down by, by their own daily Uh, action items uh, they're not able to think strategically so it was very valuable input so I wanted to let you know
1: thank you thank you and uh, another thing which you know I still uh, cherish till now is I started like uh, you know like meeting up with uh, I I made like a women themed uh, club and meeting up with only women in -hmm. the organization so like I'm saying like I was uh, like the daughter of the business and I was like not Seriously. So I could only imagine how the women in, uh, you know, in, in a more uh, entry level jobs are being, uh, you know, uh, treated in the family. So like, again, I'm saying, I'm not saying like my family was like these, you know, uh,
0: against you or anything like
2: that.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, the no, nature of things that yes. were there, you know, and in India still are. So when we started this Women Oriented Club, one of the ideas that came out was, uh, so solar modules is very, very similar to stitching a our, our, our garment. And stitching Seriously? garment, mm-hmm, because you stitch uh, in, the, in the, when you make the modules, you put the uh, cells together, which is like stitching, which is like putting pieces of, of garment together. Yeah. And who, who, who does like stitching of garments the best? women. Yeah, right. So one of the ideas that came out is that we can use those skills, like even if a woman is not used to going to a factory, right. But if if she has skills of the tailoring business, Mm. or if she's been a tailor in the past, we can use those skills and make her uh, make this applicable to her. And because of that, when we were running our factories in full capacity, mm. uh, we had like eighty to ninety percent women and ten percent men. Interesting. And, and and the the great thing about women are the uh, the more loyal. So the attrition rate uh, like dropped.
2: Mm.
0: Wow, interesting. Very interesting. It was all happening in Hyderabad, is it? I'm I'm quite fascinated by all these ideas that you're talking about, the Troubleshooting Thursday, the uh, women-themed club, which resulted into a a really solid uh, uh, retention plan and productivity. Um, I I think I would go on and on on that, but I would like to at least hear one um, one more idea during that period that uh, you still cherish, and then we will move on.
1: I think... um... Ah uh, yes. So, uh, what? Uh, so, <clears throat> so uh, one of the other ideas was to do with technology. technology. Uh, so, even though we had, uh, uh, we had a very uh, so we are a B two B business, right? So right. that means that we already have a very strong clientele. we really don't need to market ourselves that much Hmm. Uh, but uh, what was happening is because of that the senior the senior management and the marketing team had all the uh, you know the commissions and the profits but not really uh,
0: a lot of inputs
1: exactly because it was very streamlined yes so uh, we didn't have a chance to talk to our customers and uh, when, I, when I started like kind of meeting the customers, I, re- I realized that we had a lot of issues and problems that were not coming back to us. Mm. And because they were not coming back to us, there was no way to address it.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, so what, what I had, uh, it was just my initiation and then it took, uh, it took a time to uh, kind of build itself was to bring in technology where the customers can directly talk to us and um, and anybody in our uh, company can um, expand the customer base which means that if you are in uh, in the IT department but Mm -hmm. you know someone who uh, needs solar modules so before Mm -hmm. that it had to go through marketing Mm -hmm. but right now because we had the whole technology in place if you made a referral even though you're not from that department you would get the commission of like how any other marketing person would get interesting
0: okay so -hmm. you the whole uh, organization became the marketing in some way
1: yeah so what happens is in a traditionally run business or more often than not people think that we don't need technology which is fair because you're still making profits without you know investing in technology but now i mean now it's applicable more than ever that you know you you know the benefits of technology but this i'm talking about like seven to eight years back where you know technology was still picking up so that time it was a good change and the proof was in the pudding the proof was in the quarterly profits
2: you
0: Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. that's awesome venita so whatever you shared Mm -hmm. it's not only applicable in uh, family-owned business it's the same thing in uh, corporate world as well so My audience consists of uh, two types. One, people who are in corporate career. Others are people who have moved out of corporate career and they are into startups and stuff like that. So whatever you talked about are applicable for both. And uh, Mm -hmm. it was really good. So now let's uh, change gear and talk about, Mm -hmm. so while you were running family business and you proved yourself, and of course it would have been a good feeling uh, starting with family thinking why this girl needs to do all of those things too. (laughs) Uh, really creating results and making changes and bringing in women uh, in a good way strong way in the organization what made you start looking at doing something on your own
2: outside your family business
1: yeah so um, one of the things uh happened after I came back from uh, business school is i got uh, I got invited to a lot of colleges and schools and uh Institutes, So they're called Founders institutes. So basically, these are like incub- incubation cells for entrepreneurs. Okay. So I got invited to a lot of places to uh, kind of share my journey or to talk about uh, achieving a goal and stuff like that. So it started in a very ad hoc way. But while I was doing that, after I finished a seminar or after I finished a talk, a lot of uh, people used to uh, come to me and would ask me questions would want to, you know, kind of that time. I didn't even know what coaching was, but they just wanted like a one-on-one session or, uh, just get my insights on either their business or either them as a student. Mm. So, so that's how it started. And I started working with them. I started seeing like, if they made this little change in their uh, mindset and their thinking and their daily routine, uh, they can do so much more. And, and I wish like somebody had told me that when I was in, you know, I was much younger. Mm. So it started off like that. And I started helping entrepreneurs uh, and students mainly first mm. for the first few years. It was in a very, very ad hoc way. Mm. I, I didn't even know what I was doing, you know, All for right. the first few years. And uh, while I was doing that, one of my mentors was like, hey, what you're doing is actually called Uh, life coaching or leadership coaching. And Mm. you know, you need to term it, you need to uh, streamline it, make it an organization and do it uh, in a way that even profits you. Mm. So um, throughout my life, uh, I, the theme to achieve something was never monetary for me. Mm. Mm. And even though money was a byproduct of it. So, uh, so Even today, like, I do not, like, really understand how to make profit. I just know how to add value. And then Mm. profit is, like, comes with it of sorts. So, anyway, so this happened. No, it's not anyway. I want to stop you there.
0: It's not (laughs) anyway. What you said... Is the crux of business. You, in one word, you, you, you know, very casually said, I really don't know how to create profit, but uh, I just focus on adding value and uh, the profit comes. That's exactly what the whole business uh, philosophy is. And I just want to add in here. Vinita, I do career coaching and I talk to mostly mid-career professionals who are kind kind of feeling stuck. So when I ask them, what do you really do for the business? So they say, oh, I'm a business analyst or I'm a project manager or I'm an architect. And I'm like, that's your identity maybe, but that's not the value you're adding. What value you add? So I'm very good in relationship management. Okay, but what value you add? Oh, um, typically when they run projects, they are not able to effectively do the change. So they lose money. I'm very good in helping them in change management. All right. Mm-hmm. So what does it result into? Oh, they're able to move the project faster. They're able to save cost or increase the revenue or improve customer satisfaction. I said, these are the things you do. You are not really a relationship change or whatever. You are doing this end results for the business. That's what they pay you for. And if you focus yeah. on that and you do more of value add consciously, you know your salary will not be a question for you. You know, you <laughs> won't need to demand for your role. You won't need to demand for your salary. You know, you could get anything you want. So whatever you said was so powerful, it is all about adding value then planning of how much salary I need to ask. The focus is different. When you are focusing on value add, money comes in and you very casually absolutely. say, oh, it just happened. No, it just, this is the, the, the <laughs> powerful uh, methodology of uh, creating high income. So thank you for that. And I took a little bit of time to just stress upon the point because- No, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And just ha- just as h- how you highlighted it, it's exactly like people in my life have been highlighting that, you know, because I kind of do s- certain things. I go with the flow, create results. and But but there is a lot of uh, aha moments to it. You know, yeah. there's a lot of uh, yeah realization of it when when you backward integrate it.
0: Awesome. So I would be very keen to understand once you realized and some mentors of yours uh, um kind of ask you to structure it in a proper business now you've already a you know ivy league student you have run a family business and you had your own challenges and successes now here you are on to building your own business so how have you used those learnings and experiences uh, to structure your business how do you do marketing i mean in the beginning it was all word of mouth and i'm guessing you still have a lot of business word of mouth and referrals but have you really structured your business into uh, the segments of uh, marketing and sales and delivery and you know, the you know, ongoing customer satisfaction? And have you built a team where some of people take care of certain uh, aspects mm-hmm. of it and admin and whatnot and accounts? I want to really understand how your business is structured today.
1: Absolutely. But uh, I'll jump into it. But before I say that, I want to give you the philosophy of my sure. coaching. Sure. so the philosophy uh, of my coaching is on two levels so the first level is if anybody wants to achieve anything say I'm a student and I want to land a good job you know or uh, I'm a uh, I'm an entrepreneur and I am uh, making a certain amount of money and next year I want to expand my uh, revenue you know revenue I want to get funding I want to like whatever be larger than life uh or i'm i'm a person with a certain health ailment and i want to be better i want to manage my uh you know body better i want to be physically fit or i am a single person looking for a relationship and i and i want to you know get into uh, a meaningful relationship so that is one uh wheel of my coaching so you have a goal it could be any goal, like I said, in personal health, career, or relationships. Yeah. Um, and then I help you achieve it. And I've helped uh, a lot of people achieve a lot of different things. And you can say, oh my God, these are like very different spheres of life. But uh, like I said, for the first two years, I was just doing students and entrepreneurs. And slowly, uh, different people, I started attracting different people. So I started getting into relationship coaching and also health coaching. Hmm. So I help you achieve it, okay? Hmm. And um, very, very early on, I realized this. And this is also why I started, the, why I transitioned from uh, like a, like a business. business to this hmm. is you can achieve anything. Like literally you can achieve anything that you want, but it doesn't, Uh, define your everlasting permanent happiness what do I mean by that is there was a time in in my life because I was I was a person you can say I was addicted to achievement like Mm -hmm. I uh, like after one achievement I would go to another achievement go to another achievement obviously it came from a very deep deep uh, rooted insecurity of mine that I'm a girl born in a traditional marwadi family so i need to keep proving myself for my existence so uh, when when i was an achievement junkie of sorts i used to keep uh, achieving this so at my highest career like i was chief guesting and cutting ribbons and launching products and being brand ambassador every single week that was my i can say in the way the world viewer it, views it at at the peak of my career, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and after achieving it, okay, it feels really good in yeah. the moment. But mm-hmm. after two three days, it fizzles, and then you're what next? Or even sometimes, what used to happen is I used to go win an award. Like literally, this has happened to me. I used to go win an award, and I used to come back home, and. Uh, or or maybe you go to a party, celebrate my award and come back home. I used to feel so, so, so empty inside. I could not define that feeling, that Mm -hmm. feeling of emptiness, that feeling of hollowness, even after doing good. That feeling of emptiness and hollowness is definitely there if you've had a failure. It's definitely there if you're sad or depressed or in grief. It's there. But what I'm trying to say is when you have that same feeling, even after... Achieving, achieving the year. highest high that got me very curious of life that got me very curious of what is happening and right now I see that in my clients so I've worked with an entrepreneur she started when she was started with me she had around 60 people she hired about 60 people within a year and a half they were at a 600 people uh, company hmm. And um, and that was her goal to get uh, Series A funding and have like a certain amount of people that she wanted to hire. It was a fintech startup. Hmm. And when she reached the goal, she was ecstatic, ecstatic for a week, right? And then we kind of discontinued coaching also hmm. because that was the goal. Achieved, yeah. With, within three months, she comes back to me with that same empty, hollow feeling that I had. And for me, for me, it's so easy to understand that feeling or understand any complexity because I have, uh, I have been aware of my uh, insecurities and complexities. So it's very easy for me to understand it in someone else. So the two wheels of my coaching. So one wheel is you, you have a goal. I'll, 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 I'll help you achieve it. I'll give, I'll be that catalyst of yours to give you short-term happiness. And the second thing is. The everlasting happiness mm-hmm. like you need to go into uh into the depths of yourself to understand uh you know the demons and angels to understand the light and the darkness to be fully integrated with yourself to uh be even open to that space of everlasting happiness so that's like at a more deeper level so these are the two ways i uh, do the coaching So for my first wheel, yes, there is a lot of uh, word of mouth. There is a lot of, uh, you know, a a commercial understanding to it. And uh, people come to me with very, very specific problems. And it starts off like that. And then what I'm really interested now in is this whole mindfulness, that this whole integration of yourself, Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, this has been like my life purpose now. And Mm -hmm. for that, there is no uh, mainstream marketing for it. It Mm -hmm. only comes from the clients who have reached that stage, if -hmm. you know what I mean.
0: Yes, I do. Yeah. That's awesome. That's uh, incredible. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really like this whole thought process. Now I know uh, in a very different uh, perspective that I was seeing. I was just looking at it as another business. But It's actually not just another business. It's, uh, as you rightly said, it has become a a life purpose. And Mm -hmm. uh, while you are helping individuals achieve their goals, which is important as well, you know, before you get into that feeling, you've got to achieve and build your feeling of significance and feeling of Mm -hmm. growth as well. Because as humans, as living beings, uh, we do have this natural uh, desire to grow. So that's anyway important but how do we take that growth and what kind of mindset we carry so we are fulfilled rather than we are feeling unfulfilled and shallow uh, rest of the life <laughs> so then then achievement has no meaning so you went through that you achieved and then you felt it and then you found out a way uh, to create fulfillment fulfillment for yourself and that's what you are helping others with so my question here comes is how did you build a skill and the the process to skill is I don't know, skill and process to actually do what you're doing. Did you go through certification and how much of that was useful and what kind of experiences? Or, and I'm, I'm assuming it's, uh, it may be very intuitive, but it is still a process.
1: That is, that is a very, very interesting word that you've used, there, intuitive. Yeah. So a lot of this is very intuitive. And it's also by, uh, you know, like you can do anything in life, but you need a little bit of grace. Of grace of God, you can say of universe of your guru, whatever you call it. So the grace of guru like really pushes you to that level of, uh, you know, say whatever. And right now, I I use guru, it's very interchangeable with coach. Hmm. So the the new modern word of guru is coach. Hmm. So uh, basically, if you can do something at an X level to give you that 10x thing, Hmm. you need that little bit of grace so yes a lot of it is intuitive coaching but uh, how do you, how does anyone develop intuition, intuition hmm. or intuitive coaching they need to do a little bit of apprentice apprenticeship,
2: apprenticeship.
1: Yes. yeah so uh, i have worked under people i truly admire so i've worked with uh, coaches Mainly in the US. Um, I've worked with Louise Hay, I've worked with Jeff Klein, I've worked with uh, Dale Carnegie. So I've worked with people I truly admire. And also in India, so I've kind of mixed the Western and Eastern philosophy. In India, I uh, have been trained in the Yoga Sutras, which is the theory of the yoga. Hmm. So I, I went through formal coaching for all this. But, but like I said, any degree, like I have a dual degree, I have a master's in science and a master's in business administration, you know, mm-hmm. any degree, any coaching, uh, sorry, any formal education can only get you to a certain level. True. The great start. It tells you what, it explains the things which you should, you know, it clarifies things to you. But the the way you uh, put it to practice, the, the way you put it to practical use is only after, uh, you can only be intuitive after you've been an intern or you've been yes. an apprentice. yes so You have to kind of follow the books for a certain while to kind of come up with your own uh, coaching or theory. It's the Sorry. same with art. You need yes. to copy an uh, artist first yes. to kind of create your...
0: Your own. Yeah, no, I got it. So I want to have, I want to ask a couple of questions. So the two aspects of coaching that you do, one is, of course, getting results. And the second one is uh, creating a long term uh, results and happiness. So you're integrated, You, as you said, uh, mind body integration. Uh, on the first one, is there any uh, simple format that you can share? Uh, like you know, typically this is how I do. Step one, step two, step three. Is there any process that you can share which people can start to think through? Like, okay, I have this problem. Can I utilize this way of thinking?
1: That's a very good question. I I really like the way you kind of themed your podcast. You know, it's a lot of value add to your view, viewers. Uh, you. So <laughs> the way I start is uh, is to start thinking how your memory and your imagination is using you. Okay. What do I mean by that? Uh, So if you have a goal in mind, say, can can I use you right now?
0: So right now I'm in in a startup and a couple of initiatives I'm running. Um, In a startup, the typical challenges are how do you acquire customer and how do you Uh, create your cash flow so in the beginning you don't have let's just
1: take uh, so let's just take one thing right now the first thing whatever comes to your mind the first thing that hey this is my goal
0: um increase cash flow
1: increase cash flow and do you have a to do that you know you need to do for this yes can you share
0: so uh, um, it's all about filling the funnel first so uh, how do i get more people in the funnel whom I can talk to. So, okay. Yeah.
1: So how do I get to more people in the funnel? Okay. And for this, you have to reach out. You know your to-dos. Yes. Say, say that in, in, your, um, uh, in your weekly plan or your daily plan, in your day design, that's what yeah. I work. That's what I call. Say yeah. uh, you have a certain number of hours where you dedicate to your current life that is going on you know yep. which is your daily responsibilities which is whatever and then you give say uh, in an hour i'm giving one hour or two hours a week to my new uh, you know my new goal hmm. in these two hours suppose i say five to six i'm going to be doing this and you start doing it and hmm. suddenly your memory like you know it it you, you want to write an email reach out to a person and your memory gives you like hey last time when you did that something really weird happened, or mm-hmm. people didn't get back, or it was a waste of time, you chased mm-hmm. people. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you mm-hmm. wasted so much time. Mm-hmm-hmm. So this time, the memory is using you and it's creating a roadblock. It's mm-hmm. the same thing with imagination, you know, oh, like, it's if somebody wants to ask a girl out, they imagine so much in their head. I'm not saying rejection cannot happen. Of course, it can happen. Mm-hmm. But there is so much of mental drama between sending that text and receiving that text hmm. Hmm. you know there's so much hmm. of assumption oh what did she say what do I, i'll make a fool out of myself this is mental drama hmm. or mental modifications as i call it hmm. so the memory and the imagination is using you um at their own will now to turn it around see memory to- and imagination is not a bad thing
0: how to make but- them a friend is what we want. Okay so that they do the right thing for you
1: yeah and okay. i will say step it up uh, how step to up. how to tell them that you are the master of uh, of your house you know right now they are acting like the masters of your house so you are you are being a slave to them so they are very good as slaves but how they are they're very bad as masters so right. how do you make memory and imagination at your will how do you use your memory and imagination at your will rather than them using you is is one of the first steps, uh, I would say. And for this, the, the only way to start doing this is observation. Like observation. when you start observing yourself, like say five to six, I'm going to be doing this. Hmm. It is very easy to see what your mind keeps, you know, popping up. The thing is most of us don't realize because we get on, we jump on that bandwagon and we go in that mental drama for one hour or two hours and stuff like that. And then we don't even realize it. But if you just observe like when you want to do something, especially when you want to achieve a goal and you just start doing it. Say I say, I want to get up early in the morning and six o'clock, I put the alarm and I get up also and then I put it on snooze. In that time, you need to understand what your mind is throwing to you. Mm. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's today, start from tomorrow. Mm. Uh, it's okay. Like what will you anyway do with one day? What will you achieve anyway? Mm. So all the thoughts that come to you, uh, the memory is throwing to you. See, last time also you did it for one or two days. Did it, did it like really work or it's imagination. Mm. What will happen? What will happen mm. if you do? So, Mm -hmm. being very very cognizant Cognizant, about how your memory and imagination is using you Mm -hmm. and then you start, it should come to a level like how do you use your hand, like if I want to pick up something, I am using my hand.
0: Yes, it's voluntary but it's still very
2: involuntary.
1: Yeah, very, very consciously. When I want to pick up the glass, only the glass is in my hand. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: But right now, what is happening with memory imagination? The hands are using me. They're just going like that. True, very true. true. So being very cognizant of that, that is one of the first steps. And uh, the second thing uh, I would say is, okay, I can share two two more things. The second thing is being uh, aware of your obstacles. So, the obstacles come in uh, form of laziness, in Mm. form of illness, in form of carelessness, in form of boredom. All these, which you think are like, uh, actually, I'm feeling very tired today. I can't go to the gym. Actually, Mm. I'm feeling very, very, uh, I'm not motivated today to call people and ask them Mm, 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 mm. to get more people in my funnel. Mm. Or um, I'm not getting any creative ideas. Mm. So if it's laziness, carelessness, restlessness, all these things which we, are think, we think are real things are actually obstacles. Mm. Uh, but once you name it, so name how it. do they lose their power? How does laziness lose its power? How does boredom lose its power? Mm. You just have to name it. Oh, my mind is playing boredom with me right now. which is stopping me from my goal. Once you name your boredom, it loses its power completely.
0: That's very interesting.
1: So that is my second tip. And my what could third be a tip... name
0: for? So uh, so for example, uh, this often comes to me. So late evening, oh, I have already worked too hard. So and I know I put this in my calendar for next two hours to do certain activities. Uh, and I'm like, uh, oh, I, I think I should reward myself. I should watch a movie rather than you know doing this, and I could probably mm-hmm. do it tomorrow. How do you name it so that I can uh, reduce its power and I get back on my own uh, initiative? What what is that? What is that,
1: what you just said? I Let me watch Netflix for some time. That's
0: like, uh, I'm telling myself, uh, I think I deserve it. I've worked really hard the whole day. And uh, my focus is on me deserving rather than focusing is uh, doing that so that I, I am happy at the end of it that I have been able to do what I need to do to keep growing in my business. So I think the focus is wrong. That time saying, oh, I've done so much throughout the day, so I decided to watch a movie. And uh, my mind says, yeah, you do. And then I get on a movie rather than doing what I had to do.
1: See, what you have to understand is most of my clients are like you. You are very, very intelligent person. So your uh, demons are also very intelligent.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Very interesting, yeah.
1: So you are playing one-up in a video game. You are playing one-up against a person who is equally intelligent to you. So mm. to beat that person, you have to go a level up. Mm. Keep in mind, when you go a level up, you will get a tougher player. Your well, mind will yes. also be there. Yes, okay? yes, yes. So so the mind is giving you a lollipop like you deserve it. Yeah. Temptation.
2: Yeah.
1: But actually, actually, what is it?
0: I mean, it's a loss for me. I lost that to hours.
1: Yeah, but if you name it, if you have to give a name to it, what is it?
2: Um, I
0: would name it as... Uh, um,
1: procrastination? Procrastination,
0: yeah. It's a procrast- what is
1: procrastination?
0: It's uh, not doing what I want to do for the right things and just delaying it. What is it? Laziness. An, laziness, yeah, excuse, laziness, yeah,
1: laziness, yeah. So, so it's a very, but but you but you have to understand, your mind is very intelligent. Right. So, it will gift wrap that to you. It will gift okay. wrap that, yeah, gift that wrap. you deserve to watch Netflix. Yeah. It's a very well gift okay. wrapped coming so, to you.
0: So, good one. So, now what you gave to me, I, I realized when I look at a tempting gift wrap, I mean, that's the word I can use because that really hit me. It's a tempting gift wrap, okay? Don't Get uh succumb not succumb to it, so I mm-hmm. like that, so I got this uh so the the tempting gift gift wrap itself becomes a good uh, uh metaphor for me to not yeah. get uh, uh, into It's I the was, same
1: what? thing with anybody who wants to lose weight. Maybe this is how anybody can understand. If mm-hmm. somebody wants to lose weight and they're gonna have a cookie. Mm. You know, saying that I deserve it, I worked out for three days, I, I'll i have a cookie. That's a temptation, right? Mm. Mm. That's keeping them away from the goal. But for you, it's very easy to identify when a person is doing that to lose weight. Yes. Because Because you're detached. You're detached from losing weight. But when it comes to your own goal, because you're like focused and attached and because your mind is all there. You cannot, it's sometimes difficult to understand how the mind is tempting you.
2: Hmm. Hmm.
0: By the way, Vinita, I'm also a certified personal trainer. So I can pick up the weight loss issues very fast. (laughs) Sorry? I'm a certified personal trainer in Australia.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's what I said. That's right. That's exactly what I said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I really got it. Uh, Let me summarize it uh, for the audience as well. Um, so that when you started, you you started in a very practical way. You said, you know what, when you have a goal, you know your to do list for that goal. When you lo- know the to do list for the goal, you got to put that as a commitment, certain hour in your day, which is which means it is there in the calendar, mm-hmm. and you know how much of time you need in that to-do list and you block out everything and that hour is only for this to-do list. So that was a practical aspect you shared, which itself is very valuable because a lot of people don't use calendar Mm -hmm. and the mind is all over the place, which means it's not focused. And if it's Mm -hmm. not in the calendar, uh, it may happen, it may not happen. And it happens Mm -hmm. to me at times, though I know this uh, theoretically at times, I'm not managing my calendar very well. So do I know all these activities need to be done? But it's not been focused because I haven't put in the calendar. I haven't really clearly written what those activities are. If I don't do it, life hits in different ways and the day is gone. So that was the practical aspect, which is anyway very, very important. But then you took it to the next level and said, now you've got the practical aspect, which, Hassan, you might be doing well because you know it. But in spite of that, if you're missing what's happening there, and that's where Mm -hmm. you brought this, uh, the imagination and uh, the memory game. So memory is something uh, which is, uh, it's an inertia. You have done certain things in the past and that's what is in the memory. And uh, it, memory is, as I said, it's like an inertia. So it makes you do the same mistakes that you were doing in the past, unless you observe and then create a way to fix it. And you observation mm-hmm. is the first step you said. You observe what your memory and imagination is asking you to do. So one is observation. Now you've observed it and you are finding that gap. Now you want to fix it. How do you fix it? by giving it a name so that you can quickly identify this is the trick your imagination Mm -hmm. and memory is playing. And the moment you identify, now I want to hear some of the because that part I I, I didn't hear very clearly. So now I've also, so for me, I understand Netflix gift wrap. Don't get in in that trap, Asan. So I've reached there. So the moment I observe, I identify, it's a gift wrap. What do I do next so that I'm on track? Yeah, so
1: like I was saying, I'll give you three, three steps to it. And I was coming to it. The third step is, uh, the third step is I am uh, giving you an uh, giving you a technique Hmm. to flip the memory. Okay. Okay. Yes. So now how now it's easy for me to say, like, use memory to your benefit. But you can say, like, how do I do that? Like, what's the practicality of doing it? Mm -mm. So say memory, like anything else, has uh, a certain amount of uh, attention that it goes to. If you don't give it certain amount of attention, it'll take you anywhere. But when you direct it, it you know, if all the energy goes there, then it will make sure that you know it's used up there. So uh, for that, basically, uh, it starts with um, a certain goal. Okay, say your goal is between five to six to reach out to people. So now, to use the memory to keep reminding you that this is the goal, mm-hmm. like you know, say um, you said Netflix, right? Yeah. <laughs> so whenever, uh, whenever you're saying, okay, I've done a lot for the day. Mm-hmm. Whenever you want to pat yourself on the back and say you dis, de- you said you you deserve something, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever your mind is taking you to that. You need, to give, uh, you need to give yourself a, 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 a trigger. So mm. right now, the, the trigger is, I've done a lot. Let me go watch. Right, mm. So uh, the, the trigger when your mind goes there is that, what is my goal? The smriti. It's, uh, in Sanskrit, it's called smriti, which mm. is memory. Memory, yeah. So um, you need to know what is your goal, but that's not enough. Mm. The way that you can flip memory is through energy.
2: Okay.
1: So uh, you may have it in your mind also that this is my goal. Mm. But till I don't put energy to it, it's called virya So uh, back in the olden days, uh, the people who are warriors, they were also called virya because mm. they, they had a lot of energy to perform the action that they mm. wanted to, that they were focused on. Mm. So when you combine e- your memory with energy, uh that's when you can flip your memory mm-hmm. so whenever uh, you get that uh, okay this is my goal but how how would you how would you then uh flip it because whenever i can say okay just have a trigger in your um uh, mind and you'll remember it instead of watching netflix you'll be like no five to six i want to do this
2: mm-hmm.
1: but to actually like move your body get your body to go Mm. to your workplace to start doing something and it really doesn't matter even if you uh you know uh, do serious work or not Mm. to begin Mm. with Mm. but just that you've given yourself energy and you've gone there Mm. this can only be lasting Mm. if you're detached from the result what do i mean by that 10 days in a row, you've used your Smriti and your Virya. You've used your memory and your energy and you've sat on your desk very religiously. Mm. Nothing has happened.
2: Mm.
1: And if you say like, hey, nothing has happened or or you're like attached to the result, Mm. I'm not seeing results. It's very easy for you to go and say, okay, nothing's happened. At Mm. least let me go watch Netflix. At least Mm. let me enjoy Mm, So it has to be in the combination. This combination um, is necessary for it to work.
0: Right. So how do I add energy to it? That part I'm still not very clear.
1: Uh, so in the morning when I put the alarm, I, rem- I know that I want to get up.
2: Right.
1: Okay. So the memory is there. Right. But till I actually don't move out of bed and go brush my teeth, It's very easy to recoil back and not do anything. It's very easy to go back into laziness, boredom or, uh, you know, carelessness or restlessness. Hmm. So when uh, when you combine memory with energy, you know, like you have to change from inertia. Say if you're just sitting in your place and you use your memory, memory is also working for you. Mm. But how, how are you, uh, you know, making that everlasting change Mm. by giving it momentum then and there. Mm.
0: And so this energy is a physical movement, is it?
1: It's mainly defined as physical movement, but it's, it's giving energy to it. So it, Mm. it may be even mental energy, like you, suppose you're working on something creative. So putting all your, uh, you know, creative mental energies towards it. But what happens when you do a physical movement? Um, if you if you've ever worked out or something like that, the way you feel before working out and after working out is very different, right? Yes, so yes. when you give a physical movement to your uh, goal, um, it's it, you change uh you change the moment you change the energy. Uh, sorry, uh, energy is a very interchangeable word here. Yeah. But basically, <laughs> what I mean is from laziness to action it's very action. easy to change with the physical movement
0: right right. and can I also do this uh, adding energy to so now that you're talking about uh, the trigger and then flipping the memory flipping the energy so one of course is again it has to be a new new set of imagination so for example alarm case that you took my new set of imagination should be I'm switching the alarm, I'm getting down and getting getting to get a glass of water or coffee or anything that is uh, giving me some sort of pleasing energy. So mm-hmm. if I can create that, that's how I could do the flipping memory, flipping energy. Uh, even before I take the action, I have a picture which is uh, inspiring me or making me move and do things. I
1: love it. I like it. I like it a lot. Even using visualization to change that is is, is amazing. And like you said, imagination. So imagination, the way you flip it is, uh, see. have you ever had something very, very healthy? Uh, Lots of. (laughs) Uh, How do you feel after having it?
0: Um, I just, I think I have a sense of that imagination that I'm eating something and it's uh, nourishing my body. So um, I think I have already created an imagination. So even if it doesn't taste good, I'm fine because I don't look at taste. I look at what it is doing to my body. And but when I, I eat junk, uh, I have a different feeling, and which is like oh, you
1: have a different I... feeling, right, yeah, in your body. Yeah. But before eating junk food, like you, like the craving is towards the junk food, right? That's right. Yeah. So the way you flip imagination is you you like remember you use memory and imagination together. Do you yes. Remember how you felt. Yes. Uh, yes. While eating the yes. good food. Yes. And then use your imagination towards
2: that.
0: Yeah. So I got it. I think it was very powerful. Uh, I, mean, uh, I I wish I had more time on this conversation. Yeah. I went <laughs> like
1: more in detail. No,
0: but you did uh, I mean you, you added a lot of value. So uh, the way I want to coin this whole last half an hour of conversation is how to achieve any goal. You have made it so practical to start with. You know what you need to do, you create your to-do list, put in the calendar now it's there in the calendar but it's not happening that's where your whole thought process of how do you uh observe your memory and imagination how do you uh you know overcome it by giving it a name and then telling that name so for me it has a gift uh, you know the gift wrap. <laughs> so gift wrap is my um anchor now to say you're mm-hmm. being you're being uh, what do you call you're being tricked you're being tricked yes. So the moment I say gift wrap, uh, you know, the, the mind, my, the other side of my, the angel side says, you are being tricked. So now I'm already careful. So when it is being tricked, what do I do not to get tricked? I'm on a mission. The reason I have put that time, it has a reason and I'm committed to it. I have this mission. And how does that mission uh, uh, look like when it is accomplished? So that picture is my pushback to the tempting gift. This is how I'm going to do
1: And it. you have to give it inertia then and there. You and have to put it on your table. Yeah. Any
0: physical thing that you teach people like do this or, you know, raise your hand or, you know, something that gives you a quick, like Tony Robbins does a few things.
1: Uh, no, I mean, I do work a lot with breath work. So breath work changes uh, your mood a lot. So right. say If if you're feeling lazy and you want to feel like, so there's a different breath work for it. And if you're like, see, a lot of aggression and a lot of like jumping and jumping is also not good. So you have to balance that energy with rest. So Uh, I do balance energies with breath work, but I don't have any hand movements of sort.
2: Okay. So,
0: I mean, this could go on and on. So finally, so you have covered this goal achievement part so well, Uh, you using your practical aspects and then the intuitive memory and imagination aspect and the breath also you added. The second part of it where you said uh, a lot of people who are high achievers, they start to feel shallow in their life, which is the case with the community that I'm building today. A lot of people Mm -hmm. are very successful, but uh, I'm not sure if they're (laughs) having that shallow thing or not. because I've never asked that, but chances are it is there if they have not certain aspects of it. So anything you want to highlight, uh, any practical aspects of what you do in that arena, or not practical aspect, just a little conversation on what do you do in that, Arena, to help people create that integration and fulfillment.
1: So um, that is a more detailed conversation, but just to give you like just to touch on <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah,
0: just to touch on it.
1: If that. if I had to if I had to put it in one word, it's self-inquiry. self-inquiry. And if I had to put it in a process, it is um throwing out the clutter. So deleting social conditioning, parental conditioning, deleting everything that is not yours to truly Mm. come to what is yours.
0: I mean, theoretically, I understand. And uh, uh, I'm quite into um, this power of now, the Eckhart Tolle and then Mm -hmm. uh, placebo effect, uh, Joe Dispenza and uh, Mm -hmm. Michael Singer surrender experience. So uh, I've got some reading experience in what you're talking (laughs) about. Um, but yeah, in bits and pieces, I've tried some of these things and are very valuable. So no, that was wonderful. Uh, I mean, I wish we had more time on this conversation. Yeah. Shared a lot of practical aspects of how to achieve goal, how to do a lot of different things. So I'm pretty sure your clients uh, are uh, achieving extraordinary results. So just last two quick questions and we wind up. The, uh, one question is, uh, uh, you have come a long way in your life and um, you understand the game of achievement so well. Uh, And from there on, you moved on to uh, an aspect of fulfillment. And what you do today, you feel like you're on purpose and you're quite fulfilled. Now, in this journey, uh, if you had to go back, uh, of course, the journey was not smooth. It's not smooth for anybody. It's a Mm -hmm. a mix of successes and failures and learnings, uh, setbacks, heartburns. Uh, If you had to go back uh, in life and you had to advise uh, 20-year-old Vinita, what would be one, two or three advice that you will give?
1: Um, so growing up, I grew in a culture where you had to show that you're put together. You're always happy, you're always successful. You're always achieving things. So one of the things I would tell her is to live in happiness than to show that you're happy and be miserable inside. Mm-hmm. And when you live from happiness, your choices change completely. So live the moment rather than show the moment. And um, one of the other things that I learned in my journey, which I didn't know, uh, uh, you know, which I always questioned, but I didn't have an answer to mm-hmm. is, uh, I don't know why the world always tells us to chase happiness, to chase uh, bliss, to chase the good things in life, mm-hmm. because uh, it's it's very fragile. It's very mm-hmm. fragile. And the more you change, uh, chase pluses. The more you're saddened by the minuses, uh, so that game of plus minus, kabi khushi, kabi gam, <laughs> that that is that was driving me nuts. Like mm. I was so so guarded. I would I would be so like like you know so in the game of temptations and uh, you know aversions. It's called aversion, like when you mm. don't like something, mm-hmm. and the aversion it like really makes you very, very sad and very, uh, hollow and very, uh, it's, it's miserable. And then when you get something that you like, you go into that extreme happiness. So that extreme happiness and sadness, and I work with a lot of people, uh, with, uh, you know, um, Borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder—it's exactly that in an extreme level. Mm. Uh, but all of us, all all of us have it in a moderate level. Mm. And um, the more you realize it, uh, your suffering comes from that. So, the second advice that I would give—that like uh, being grounded, taking the equanimous path, the middle path, or uh, you know, being neutral is much better than happiness and sadness. So, okay. that's, uh, that's
2: very
1: nice. Yeah, and the third thing I would say is um, be extremely humble. Like, um, you know, very very humble in your wins and your successes because it is going to change tomorrow, and very very grounded in your failures because it is going to change tomorrow. Like, you from failure you will go to success, from success you will go to failure and more often than uh, not what happens is like success gets to your head and uh if you're not humble enough the world will the universe will you know show you humility in in ways that uh, you know you don't want you you've not imagined so being humble is something that uh it's you know, I would definitely tell my 21 year old self, and also not taking life too seriously, not taking things too personally. I mean, you all of us have heard these things, but I was so, so self conscious while growing up. And now I realize that, you know, everybody is conscious about their own self, nobody really, you know, is paying that much attention to you. So taking yourself a little less seriously.
0: That's awesome. And uh, you definitely walk the talk. When I first time I talked to you, I didn't, I didn't really feel you had to appreciate me the way you appreciate it. And I was like, uh, that's very interesting. She's very humble. Uh, A few things we could not cover, which we will leave now um, for uh, uh, maybe another time is how do you really build this business? Uh, But uh, to some extent, I've got it. Now, from your side on this conversation, anything that you had in your mind, Vinita, that could have added more value, which I missed to ask?
1: Anubh, I have like a small message. I can uh, just like to read it out. Yes. Uh, Fail big, fail miserably. Let others pull you down and throw you in uncertain territories and use it as a fuel to your fire. Let the world shatter you, and if you still survive, you know that you're stronger and smarter than yesterday. And when you have the courage to fail, you have the muscle to win. So fail big to dream big and to win big. That's, <laughs> awesome. That's And I really like these lines. I'm going to leave you with that. Sangharsh mein admi Akila hota hai. Hmm. Mein hota hai. Mein that's wonderful. So, <laughs> that's wonderful I, I read it all the time because I used to be so self conscious about people, about you know, not wanting to make a fool out of myself. But the more I look at it is like every person who's achieved something has, you know not cared for what people think about them
0: <laughs> true true so it was wonderful talking to you Vinita I got a lot of value out of it and really appreciate your time uh, end of Friday you've taken time to talk to me so I'm very humble and very grateful
1: thank you so much <laughs> for having me and it, it the way you were asking me questions I had a lot of time to even reflect on things that I've never touched upon so it was great
0: Thank you for listening to the Empowering Indian Expats Podcast with your host Eshan Ali. Hope you got some inspiration and in strategies from Vinita's conversation. I learned heaps. I really liked the way she broke down these steps to achieve any goal. And I really admire her for her drive to excel in spite of the challenges uh, she got in entering the family business which had no senior female executive ever before. Let me know what you got out of Vinita's stories. And uh, if you're someone going through a career challenge or wanting to advance your career, don't forget to attend one of my free workshops.
2: Uh, The link is in my LinkedIn profile.